Hello, and welcome back to Thyroid Talk. I'm Dr. Angela Mazza. Thanks for joining us as we continue our conversation on compounding with Dr. Juan Lopez. Let's dive right in. And it kind of sounds like just the way we're talking about compounding pharmacies, this historically, compounding pharmacy is historically really what pharmacy started out as, not like oh, yeah. kind of what we... <laughs> I've grown to appreciate a regular pharmacy to be. Yeah, uh, I always like the old, um, like Norman Rockwell pictures, you know. And, oh, I love oh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you know I the. Can see that in my head, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you, like you can, um, you know, there's there's especially one where there's a sick kid in the corner, and the pharmacist is there, like eyeing out some cough drops, and you need a little bit of a pain reliever, a little bit of cough suppressant, you know, a little cherry flavor, so you don't spit this up everywhere, and. You know, a lot of those antique, uh, you know, photos and paintings are actually how, you know, medicine was back then, you know, making right. it for the patient. And, and there's even old school formulas that we make nowadays that have its roots from back then. You know, it just it works really well. And those are things that the docs, you know, like for certain conditions. I love that you mentioned that the, those, that art. Um, that was very evocative. I get that. So you mentioned T3 and T4. For example, what are the most common medications that are compounded? And now I realize in talking to you, that could be a very general question, or for your particular pharmacy, it could be very specific. You may have others that are more common than elsewhere. Oh, yeah. You'll have compounding pharmacies that are generalists that will do anything and everything. And then you have some shops that are very specific specific on you know the disease states and patient community that they're working in so i know for our um, our pharmacy you know we do a lot of hormone replacement um that includes you know anywhere from you know men's health women's health uh, especially thyroid replacement that's a big one is this what friends of mine might call hrt yes the, the hormone replacement therapy where you're using you know estradiol or progesterone or, or something like that uh, to pretty much supplement them with some of their uh, some of the formulations that we prepare um, but a lot of times too um, we'll do like allergen avoidance medications so Let's say you're taking a medication that commercially is available for, you know, the condition that you have, but you have, you know, a sensitivity back because they put, I don't know, corn in it, or they put something that's derived from an ingredient that you're allergic or sensitive to. So compounding pharmacy can take that pure chemical and, cre you know, create an oral dosage form for you that can provide the active pharmaceutical but maybe in a filler that you can tolerate or have no issues with. So that's the allergen avoidance that we do a lot of. There's also drug shortages. Uh, and nowadays, they, especially uh, with supply chain. The, the drug shortages are crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back orders, drug shortages. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of our pharmacy for and, and the people that were working uh, with us then and now is during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, like hand sanitizer was gone, right? Like you yeah, couldn't you find it. You guys like batched your own, didn't you? Yeah. So the <laughs> FDA came out and said we identify this as as being a like a real big supply chain issue, uh, and they even did it. You know, the alcohol distilleries had a guidance, but yeah, the FDA put out a guidance on how to do hand. You know, uh, what you had to meet in order to prepare hand sanitizer uh, for that drug. That pretty much that shortage and. Yeah, from the beginning, you know, we didn't miss a day through the pandemic. It was just, you know, we re-geared, we retooled, we got everything set up for 
uh, like hand sanitizers. And when everybody was desperate, you know, we were able to help fire stations, doctors' offices, wow. um, patients, like anybody that that re- like just couldn't find it. We were able to step into that role. I would never have thought of that. Yeah. That. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. The, the same thing applies to let's say your medication for you know blood pressure. Some all of a sudden goes on back order. Metformin at the time had a recall because of something that was in there, a contaminant that was in there. So all of a sudden that's gone. Where do you go for a maintenance medication? And then that's where we step in during that time where there's that drug shortage. We can get the pure powder. And a lot of times, you know, if there's a drug shortage on the commercial product, you could probably get the pure powder because the manufacturers that are making that are ordering their own supply. They, they order tons of it, you know, whereas a small pharmacy like me, you know, a, a vendor that's FDA registered pulls in like, a you know, a, 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 an amount to split out with a lot of different pharmacies. Um, you know, that's going to have a different supply chain issue. So while the commercial tablets on back order, we're able to get the pure powder and formulate it. So that's definitely, uh, you know, one of the things that you can find that a compounded medi- you know, compounded pharmacy, uh, as well as the big thing is changing the dosage route. So let's say you get a pediatric patient that needs a medicine that's only available as a capsule or a big old tablet, right? Pediatric patients that are younger aren't don't know how to swallow, you know, the tablets and you're trying to figure out how do I get that medication to them. So we can prepare that as an oral or liquid. Cancer patients too. Oh, that too. Like if you can't swallow. Swallowing. Yeah. So you can make that as a liquid medication and deliver it, you know, the dose that they need, have it calibrated so they get exactly the medication they need at the doses that they need and they're able to actually take that rather than swallowing it. They can just drink it as a liquid. So that's, that's kind of an example. Yeah. <laughs> Just wonderful. You mentioned the cherry flavoring earlier, and I, I thought I didn't like cherries my whole life because um, I think I may have had some <laughs> cherry flavoring as a child 8,000 years ago. So I'm sure <laughs> that it's delicious now, I betcha. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, see? I knew it would be. <laughs> uh, but yes, cherries are very delicious. They, they're not the same as what we had as children with that flavoring. Um, so, one. Is that the traditional word? Was that the historical word, compounded? Um, I, I, you know, words interest me. So there are many words that I guess could kind of fit. It could be compiled or created, or but compounded is a very specific term, oh, yeah. which which I like. It's it's clear, but I just wondered about why it's that particular term. Well, definitely that that term compounding um, is that actually specifically you know, relates to the, that preparation, that creation, that mixing. There's uh, actually an old um, uh, term that they have uh, that you'll see sometimes on a lot of the pictures or even sometimes on, on some of the literature, but it's meset fiat secundum artem. So it's actually Latin, and it's mix and make according to the art. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, and that just pretty much means pharmaceutically, you know, prepared. I love that. Uh, But yeah, that mix and make according to the art. So one of my favorite books, my first book as a compounding pharmacist was actually uh, Lloyd Allen's um, The Art, Science, and Technology of Pharmaceutical Compounding. So you can even see, and now this one, the one I have here is like the sixth edition. Mine is an old battered, you know, pretty old book that, you know, I just got in you know, all the terms, everything that's in there, you know, that's a lot of the basic foundation of what you're doing. And yeah, compounding is, is the term that they had used for a while and, and they still use to this day. That's wonderful. And Juan has his book with him. It's, it's a very large book. 
Oh yeah, the, the author is uh, Lloyd Allen Jr. Um, he uh, actually the, the, his book and it's gone through many different L-O-Y-D, editions. L O Y D, which is like yeah, It's the art, science, and technology of pharmaceutical compounding, and that actually does describe a lot of what we do. You know, because it it is an art. You know, because sometimes you oh, can definitely. follow a formula, but if you're not, you don't have the the skill or that art art side of it of how you manipulate it, of how you work in it. Uh, you know, you, your preparation won't come out appropriate, right? And then, of course, science, it's its all backed up by that, right? Uh, and then the technology, because we have some really cool tech that we use in the compounding lab nowadays, make sure we get the best preparation. So, yeah, those those things definitely all have a factor in it. And you happen to have the sixth edition, I think, with you. Oh, Is yeah. That, okay. Yeah, the sixth edition. I think mine was like the second or third i just know so. some listeners are gonna want to <laughs> oh yeah take a look at that for sure yeah i'm pretty sure because i was looking at mine i was like well we got to get an updated one because they do have formulas in here and and you know just some terms and some updated things um i think mine had like uh, you know some stuff about anthrax compounding and stuff like that like it was wow it was like this is what you do in a national emergency type stuff so oh wow uh, yeah okay. so because if all power goes out you have the book so, and you so can we're do gonna it, call so. juan if that happens <laughs> I'm, I'm juan you're on, my... on speed dial <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. let me just take a moment and put that in my phone right now you know what um one thing i hadn't thought of until this very moment is that you guys, well, talking about the hand sanitizer, you were able to really spin on, spin on a dime and get oh, that yeah. get that going. Yeah, that's one of the great things too. Is because we're we're we are smaller because a lot of times manufacturers, in order to even do a run, they they have to supply a good bit of you know of, of raw materials and their processes that they have to do. And and think about it too, like when you get a bottle of hand sanitizer, the expiration date is years out. You know. Uh, when anything's compounded, you know, we have beyond use dates. So, you know, they're much shorter, you know, because the, the process that we have, which follows the guidelines, you know, that's what they require. Because without testing that the manufacturers have done, um, you know, you, you got to pull back that expiration date or have a date made. And it's, you know, and it's only used during a certain amount of time. So though that hand sanitizer was one and it was like a great example of, OK, there's an immediate need manufacturers are tooling up but it's going to be some time so we were able to fill that gap by being able to source in top quality you know ingredients to start with we had the know-how we had the facility and we had the guidelines put forth by the fda and the state boards on how to do it so it was really a great example of like all of a sudden the entire team including regulators doctors the pharmacy the manufacturers all pulled together and were able to to you know solve an issue that's a wonderful cool. story. Yeah. Really. Um, and you know what, I think I think we've really touched on this at this point, but I still just want to ask this, and maybe it'll bring up something else. So I think we've already covered this quite a bit, but this may bring up something else that, that you want to talk about. I was curious about what are some of the reasons doctors ask for a prescription to be compounded uniquely for a patient rather than just using a standard manufactured product for them from a non-compounding pharmacy. And, and I did hear you say that it can be that they, a patient may need a non-standard dosage, for example, or to have the medicine in a format that is not the way it is necessarily provided. Um, is there, are there other reasons that and maybe doctors sometimes just prefer to use 
a comp send their patients to a compounding pharmacy well those are all great reasons and, and yeah a lot of times when um, we get you know requests from doctors uh, there'll be any anything from just non-standard doses you know so like if you need to go three quarters of a strength uh, on a yeah. drug you know you'll end up having you know you can't split a tablet really precisely in three quarters <laughs> or that tablet's so small I, I to start with it starts just flaking away and next thing you know you have a pile of powder exactly in my, yeah you're, in, my, you're, in my case maybe not other people and for some therapies you you don't really want to guess on the dose you know some of them are so large that you can you know uh, you know, there's a, a sway in that, you know, where even, you know, medications may have a plus or minus 10% error on it anyway. So if you're cutting it and it's not quite right down the middle, some medicines that's okay to do. And a lot of times they'll be, even be scored to help with breaking them, right? But sometimes, you know, you want a really accurate dosing. And if it's at three, if your dose, you know, at half strength is just not doing the trick and you're feeling terrible, and the full strength of it really gets you, you know, overamped, rep, like it's just not a good fit. And right in that Goldilocks section at three quarters would be your perfect dose. Then that we can prepare that for you, you know. So that's really that that nice slot where we can get that patient specific dose. Allergens is a big one too, you know. So especially especially thyroid patients. Yeah, I was gonna mention. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're like, um, you know, I just can't tolerate the dextrose or lactose or, you know, the starch that's in right. this, you know? And they might not even realize well, from I mean, a patient point of view. Yeah, I mean, patients with Hashimoto thyroiditis, who we talk about quite a lot, have different <laughs> sensitivities. So there's certain, sensitive. Yeah, there's certain sensitive. fillers, like you mentioned, that, that folks are very sensitive to. Some standard preparations have gluten in them, which is yep. kind of a no-no. I mean, it really flares up people. Plus, people with Hashimoto thyroiditis can have absorption issues, so that tends to be a, a problem. So if you're not absorbing your medication, then you're not going to get it. So Yeah, and a lot of times that's where we end up, uh, like for compounding, like why would someone compound? Um, if somebody's having gut issues and there's a possibility to do it as a sublingual dose or to do it transdermal it. through I'm the skin. I'm so glad I asked that. <laughs> good, good. So yeah, you can actually, yeah. you know, develop the medicine. You, you got to know a little bit about, you know, the ingredient you're working with. You know, will it absorb through the, you know, through blood vessels oh, yeah, under the tongue? Is that drug molecule too big and you're pretty much just swallowing it? You're not really absorbing it, you yeah, know, under the just, tongue? Yeah, just passing through. Yeah. <laughs> Um, even transdermally. So, you know, sometimes through the skin, um, you know, if you're making a cream, sometimes the drugs are too big to be absorbed. Sometimes if you use it topically on your skin, you're not going to get a whole body response, you know, like it'll only work in that area, not the whole body. Now that's not always the case with creams because there's certain, uh, drugs that you do put as a cream and it goes into your, onto your skin. It's going to be absorbed and work throughout your whole body. Um, you know, that's why sometimes caregivers in, you know, the nursing homes, if they're using something for calming a patient that that's usually typically compounded and they have to apply that cream, they have to use gloves because if not, they're going to get a, a reverse uh, dose. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up one. And this is a total aside. I had not even thought about this, but I've had a couple over many years, not recently, but I've had a couple of people mention, well, 
well, a medicine's just anyone could use this because it's just topical, but they don't understand that it goes through. It's, it's really systemic. metabolized in your body. You can't yeah. just share. That's why you're not supposed to share oh, your yeah. medicine sometimes because it, it can be bad for someone else. Oh, well, and that brings up even like just general pharmacy, you know, sharing medications. You know, everyone is different. It's a right. no-no. Yeah. yeah. Um, whatever would work for you at the dose that you're at may completely like, not work for someone else. Someone, this is not, I don't have this problem, but what if someone has a liver dysfunction and now a medicine oh, yeah. that goes through the skin is metabolized in the liver? Yeah. Do you want to share that with your friend? Perhaps not. Exactly. Because they might not even know well, that and, it's a problem. Uh, yeah, they may not know or they may not have considered it because right. guess what? That's why you have your physician That's and pharmacist team, right? That's why are um, uh, very important. Yeah, right? so, so you end up having that, that, that situation where that medicine may not be the best for the person. Now, right. sometimes we use topicals because the absorption is much less throughout the whole body. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But again, that's a conversation that should be had right. with the doc, with the pharmacist. Right. So exactly. then that way, that way they're getting the best thing that they need for their health. It, yeah, yeah, it's just funny because I, I had honestly had not even thought of it until this moment. But, and it's been years back, but two different people unrelated. Oh, well, I can just let so-and-so you know. And I was like, no, yeah. no, you just really cannot well, do And that's, that. that's, that's a big problem, too, for uh, antibiotics. Because some people say, oh, yeah, sure, use this. It's I got some of this leftover. Yeah, right? I got some leftover antibiotics. But first off, let's say that person doesn't have the same infection that you had. Right? right, the coverage is So they're not going to actually really be treated. You know, they may feel a little bit better because maybe that medicine had a little a bit little of coverage of what they have, but maybe they're not getting the right therapy, right? Uh, maybe they're, they have a condition or an allergy or they're or taking they a medicine. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I just read about this the other day that on certain medication, you cannot take certain antibiotics. Right. right. And, and you, you have that know. interaction a there. A person wouldn't know that. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden. Unless like me, they bumbled into it. <laughs> yes. This layman bumbled into that. Right. So then you have that person that's not being treated, that's using something that may not be working well. And maybe it's really old and expired and maybe not even at its full strength. So All that's right. why it would be best. I mean, nowadays you have telehealth. You have there's so many. Avenues. I mean, there, there's yeah. urgent. Like you can get in to see somebody for like a very because that means it's very acute. Like it's very like we got to take care of this. But you don't want to go to the ER. Nowadays, we have so many options where so you can even from your phone. You know, you can talk to somebody and maybe that person's like, you know what, that's not even a, that's a viral thing. That's not even, you know, we don't want to use an antibiotic. And then we can avoid the superbug. Yeah. That's why we're told to so take, we, the whole, take the, the whole, whole thing. course of yeah. antibiotics. Yeah. And that's why we shouldn't overprescribe antibiotics as well. So Yeah. And that, I mean, <laughs> and that's a, I mean, we're not going to solve this in like one right. talk. No. Those, there's huge committees that, right. I mean, that's what they're looking at. And, and is, that's why you, especially like in the hospitals, you have antibiotic stewardship oh, yeah, and, and all this because you don't want to create an issue where something's mutating outside of the tools you have in order right. to treat it. So, yeah, but definitely if you're going to be taking medicines, make sure your doc knows it and your pharmacist knows it but when we look at the whole of society we don't want bacteria that are resistant to the tools right, that we have right 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 all right so how about we do a listener question that was exciting that, that was, was so, so exciting <laughs> all right we have a listener in central florida who would like to know what type of doctors um refer to one well we actually we work with 
a whole array of, of doctors, you know, anywhere from, you know, family practice, because they see everything, you know, they, you go in there with some pain, some infection, some fungal infection that's going on, sinusitis, you know, the start of thyroid problems, you know, you go see your general practitioner, you don't know what's going on, but you're feeling tired, you're not feeling right, you know, something's off. Yeah. yeah. So we work even, you know, anywhere from family practice to urogynecology for pelvic pain to um, orthopedics for, you know, joint pains and, you know, docs, functional medicine docs, integrative, uh, and then docs like Dr. Mazza, where they're, you know, looking at, you know, endocrinology in a way that, you know, we can best suit the, the patient's needs. So that's definitely, you know, a lot of people that can have access to those personalized medicines, but a lot of times it's the, um, just knowing that, that it's available, you know, uh, to them and if it's appropriate for them as well, you know. Yeah, and I find compounding invaluable for my patients with thyroid issues because you have that super specific dosing that you can use, different um, formulations as far as capsules, sustained release, immediate release, fillers that are very, very low. So, I mean, it's it's an invaluable tool. Yeah, that's especially when we're looking at, like, uh, you know, the endocrine system and we're looking at thyroid health and, and things of that that nature you know what do those patients need so especially when you go to t3 t4 thyroid compounding um that in itself is like it's whole whole I mean, world you can probably spend your whole day oh, doing oh, that yeah. <laughs> i love that you said, oh, it's a whole world yeah um because you know um and i don't know if, if you want to get into this now with especially the formulations and things like that but um you know, some of the options that are available to, to thyroid patients, right? You have your desiccated thyroid, uh, which is usually porcine-derived. You know, it's coming from pig. It's the ground, you know, uh, glandular. And it's standardized to contain T3, the lyothyronine, your active hormone, and T4, your levothyroxine, the, the thyroid hormone that needs to become activated in your body and converted over. Um, that component along with a lot of the unmeasured things that are found in the gland you know that is what desiccated thyroid is and, and sometimes right. you'll hear patients refer to it as natural therapy uh, thyroid right. therapy that's what that is is thyroid usp that standardized glandular component that you can use to treat uh you know the thyroid and that's available commercially as well uh and then also we get called on you know to compound it whenever there's that specific dose that you need um or let's say, you know, your perfect dose would be, you know, a standard thyroid USP dose, but you just need a little bit more active hormone, a little bit more T3. So we've even prepared it where it's desiccated thyroid with a little touch of that T3 wow. and you have it in there. Yeah, you know? so fine tuned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one of the, the, the things too is, because sometimes I'll get this question, like, can't you make my thyroid medication with no filler? And the thing is, because oh. you're dealing with micrograms, you yeah, have you to have some something, sort of right? So the process. Don't hold it together. Is that what? Is well, that to calibrate, head? even to calibrate the dosing, because T three and T four. So when you compound something, you can use uh, alone or in combination. You can use pure T three or lyothyronine, pure T four levothyroxine, and or you know desiccated thyroid hormone. So when you have those three. You know, thyroid hormones weighed out in milligrams. You can actually weigh out an amount that the scale can measure. T3 and T4, if you just tried to measure out pure T3 and T4, we're talking micrograms. Like mo yeah. a lot of scales, you know, don't, don't measure down that low. low. So you have to do something that's called an aliquot. So you take 
that medication, right? It's calibrated and it's pretty much a, a powder that you dilute the active. So that way it's calibrated to have a certain strength of wow. that T3 or T4 in an amount of powder. So you can actually weigh it out onto the scale. So what we do, you know, at our pharmacy is we mix that. We get that active, con uh, it's called an aliquot. So we get that active aliquot powder calibrated and we send it off to a third party testing because if you start building a house and that, that foundation cornerstone is off, the rest of the house is going to be crooked. So that starting material that we work with, the T3, T4, we send out for third-party testing, and it's a lab, and it'll tell us, you know, you're either right on the dot, you're at 101%, 99.9%, and we've turned it into a competition to see who can zero <laughs> wow. in right on top of 100, you know, because that process can involve, you know, mortar and pestle. So you're, you know, grinding that, you're diluting it, you're trying not to even like not even a speck of that goes outside of the, of the bowl that you're working in, because all of a sudden now that's less of that active drug, you know, right, and a little can make a big difference in people's symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, my patients want to be consistent in how they feel. And even a little bit of variation. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah you can, they can feel it. So, I mean, yeah. we're relying upon you to be as consistent as possible. Oh, it's yeah. It's a big responsibility. Oh, we take it real serious. You know, real serious. We send that out for third-party testing. When it comes back cleared, then we make, then we weigh out all the ingredients to start, you know, actually mixing and making the capsule to be hand-packed, hand-encapsulated uh, for your specific batch. We're going to push pause right there on part two of compounding pharmacies and compounding medicine. Join us for part three coming up soon. And as always, listeners, thanks for joining us for Thyroid Talk.